You are listening to episode number 47 of the Self-Care Sunday podcast, a minimalist media project by Kaylee Reed. Every Sunday, only on Sundays, I'll release a new podcast episode exploring topics like mental health, entrepreneurship, sisterhood, and of course, self-care. Today's episode is an interview with Melody Godfred, who is a writer, speaker, and entrepreneur. After achieving the quote-unquote dream life, great career, husband, kids, and a home, she felt herself feeling disconnected from her true and authentic self, and so she created the very first self-love pinky ring as a symbol and daily reminder of her commitment to herself. And so... Her company, Fred and Far, was born in 2016 to empower women to choose themselves and practice self-love and self-care. Since then, Fred and Far and their self-love movement have been featured in press like Cosmopolitan and Teen Vogue, and her self-love pinky rings have been worn by celebrities like Lucy Hale, Viola Davis, and Rachel Bilson. Quick disclaimer for all you podcast junkies, between minutes 8 and 10, there was a couple of very minor audio issues, and I just want to apologize for that because as someone who loves podcasts and loves good audio, that really bothered me, but it happens, it can't be fixed, and after the 10-minute mark, everything is totally golden, so thanks for sticking with it, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Melody, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I want to start with your journey before Fred and Far. So who was Melody prior to starting this whole self-love movement? Well, that has a, a short and a long answer. The short answer is that the Melody right before starting Fred and Far was perfectly accomplished person. I had graduated law school and gotten a great job as a litigation attorney. I had started my own business. I was married. I had two kids. And yet, despite having all of that, I wasn't happy. And I think the reason I wasn't happy is because the long answer to your question of who is Melody wasn't being honored. And that's because the Melody who existed long before I started down the path of my career and becoming an adult was an incredibly creative person who experienced the world through self-expression and through being extremely self-aware and somehow, while climbing the ladder of accomplishment that we all try to pursue as adults, I had lost myself. And that was the moment I was in right before I started Fred and Far and started my own self-love journey. So you mentioned that you kind of had achieved this dream life, like what so many women aspire to, which is the great career, the husband, kids, a home, and yet you were still feeling disconnected from your true self. So do you want to walk us through kind of what led you to feeling disconnected? And also if there was a moment or like a light bulb moment that went off where you thought, I need to start embarking on this self-love journey? Absolutely. You know, I think for me, two things happened in terms of understanding that this shift was necessary. One was very superficial. It was the start of a new year. It was the beginning of 2015. And like all women, when the new year comes around, we're bombarded with messages that it's time to embrace a new person. It's time to get on that diet. It's time to make a big, profound shift. 
And somehow that triggered in me, not a desire to become a completely new person, but to reconnect with the old person that was there before I became um, an adult who was responsible for multiple people. And so I think it was interesting that that new year really triggered something in me. But I think the real wake-up call that I was disconnected was a physical one. You know, I didn't feel good in my body. I had completely forgotten what it was like to even be in my body because from the very first moment that I opened my eyes, I was either, you know, in a fight for survival to keep my twin girls um, well, or I was answering emails to an abundance of clients who I thought would suffer if they didn't get an immediate response. I was almost a robot, just trying to keep everyone around me taken care of and happy. And and my body was starting to take, it was taking a toll. Um, and I was starting to experience just health issues and just like a general dissatisfaction. And that coupled with it being a new year made me realize it was kind of now or never. I needed to do something big to reclaim myself. Um, tell us about Fred and Farr and your journey with starting the company because you launched in 2016, right? That's right. Yeah. So what has that journey looked like since 2016? So when I came up with the idea for uh, a ring that symbolized self-commitment and served as a reminder to practice self-care, it was completely personal. It was something I did for myself, almost as an act of rebellion against what I felt my life had become. And so every day when I looked at this ring on my pinky, a finger I'd never worn a ring on before, I thought, you know what, I'm going to do me. I'm going to make sure that I'm practicing self-care, whatever that may look like on a given day. I'm going to start exploring creativity again, because that was when I always felt most alive as a child. And within a month, this thing that I had done for myself had created such a big shift in my own life. I told a friend of mine who is extremely entrepreneurial, and I said, hey, like, this is making a big difference for me. Do you think it would help other women? And she immediately looked at me and was like, you know what? If you think it will, I'm sure it will. And if you need help, I'll help you get started. And that's actually where the name Fred and Far came from. It's a, it's a joint name that represents my last name and my best friend's last name. Within a year, we had a product, we had a brand, we had launched our social channels, and we started getting the word out. Um, it took a few months, but the first article that we were able to get published was in Racked, which unfortunately is now a defunct website. But we had reached out to a writer there, and she wrote about us, and then it just caught on like wildfire. I mean, I think we needed this idea collectively so much that women are allowed to choose themselves that every publication around the world covered it. Um, we went from getting one order a week to getting a hundred orders in a day. So that was, you know, where we started. I'm really curious what that first self-love pinky ring looked like. Like, did you just go to a store and pick something out or did you have something custom made? Because it wasn't, it didn't start as a business. It just started as your own thing. That's a great question. So it started out with me going to my favorite jewelry store um, and picking up a ring. And while I was in the store, I saw this one ring and it was a bunch of tiny little diamonds that when put together looked like one big massive stone. And 
I wanted, I knew I wanted it for my pinky. And so this was like a huge ring. It was like a size six because who wears something like that on their pinky at the time? The only pinky ring I think I had ever seen anybody wear was like a signet ring. And they kind of looked at me funny when I was like, can you size this down, you know, to like a two and a half? Cause that was my size. And they did it. And when I wore it, the impact on other people was like, Hey, are you wearing an engagement ring on your pinky? Like what's going on? Um, and I, you know, I love that because I wanted this to be a conversation starter. I wanted it to grab people's attention, even when it was just for me. I love the idea of it being as bold as an engagement ring. And so that was the first one. And then when I set out to design the actual self-love pinky ring, I wanted to this time actually get a big stone. And that was an interesting thing for us to figure out because there were so many different factors that were important to me in designing a ring that was ethical and representative of the mission. You know, diamonds have a lot of issues around them. And so I knew I didn't want to get a diamond. And also diamonds are really expensive and I thought would make it difficult for women to join the movement. And so in my research, I discovered lab-created white sapphires and lab-created stones are biologically identical to natural ones, but they're environmentally friendly. And white sapphires metaphysically are all about inspiring and honoring a connection with your true self and revealing your inner wisdom and talents. So I knew it was the perfect stone. Um, and that's really how I began. Like I am a writer, I'm a creator. So when I set out to make something, it's all about the meaning. And so every aspect of the ring had to mean something. And I'm really happy with where it landed. I love that so much. And if you guys haven't seen these rings, you need to go on the website, which I'll link in the episode show notes because they're so cute and stunning. They're like the perfect mix of minimal, but still being chic and like statement enough. Um, I'm in love with them. I'm so curious to hear your favorite things or milestones that have happened since launching in 2016. Because even as I was reading your website and going through some of your press mentions, it was pretty unbelievable like how much success and how much traction you've had in just, what, five years, I guess now? Not even. I think it's been like a th- three full years um, since we started and about four since I came up with the idea. And I still pinch myself. I think for me, the first person who bought a ring that wasn't a friend or a family member, the first person who just heard about us and bought a ring, um, that will always stay with me as a huge milestone. Her name is Dara. I, I still know who she is. Um, and that for me was amazing. Like it's one thing for people around you who know you to believe in your idea, but it's another for a complete stranger from across the country to buy in. Um, and so that was a big milestone. And then, you know, getting that whirlwind of press all at once, it was the most, I think, exciting month of my life. Um, because every day you would get the Google alert ping, or you would get an interview request via email. And it was global. So a lot of the coverage we got was in other countries. And then women would reach out to us and share their stories because we would ask them, you know, when they bought the ring or even if they didn't to tell us about what it meant for them to choose themselves and what was the promise they were making. And so becoming a witness to women around the world in this moment of self-awareness and celebration was huge. And to this day remains one of my favorite moments is anytime a woman trusts me with her story. 
And then figuring out like, how can we serve this community and empower them so that we're not just saying choose yourself, but actually opening up roads to make that something that's actionable on a daily basis. Um, And most recently for me, I think a big milestone has been writing my book, The ABCs of Self-Love, which is really the culmination of everything I've learned throughout this process and journey so that other women know what it means to actually love yourself and care for yourself on a daily basis. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you brought up the book that you just published, which was only a few months ago, right? Like I think it was published in November. That's right. Tell us a bit more about why you felt the need to write a book because there's so much buzz on social media about self-care. Obviously, as an entrepreneur, you have a business that's based around self-love. Why a book? So I think part of it is this was something I needed to do for myself to kind of honor my own journey because I think at my core, above all else, I'm a writer and self-expression is where I really thrive. And so writing the book was a bit about me getting back to my roots, because after my stint as an attorney, the first thing I did to recover was write and publish a book. So for me, this was almost about coming full circle. But more than that, I felt like we are in a culture right now where it's all about bite-sized information. And it's great. It's great that you can go on Instagram and immediately get that little hit of self-care inspiration through a clever post or a thoughtful caption. But in terms of actually doing the work, in terms of creating space for yourself in your own life, it takes a little bit more commitment. And I think think something I was running up against, even on a personal level, is I know I want to love myself. I don't always know exactly what that means. And so it was important to me to give women um, a really easy to read book that covers all the basic tenets uh, that go into practicing self-love and care so that it can become part of their ritual. And at the end of it, they'll actually be empowered, not just with the surface level, you know, hit of inspiration, but this deeper exploration that helps them do the work. So every chapter in this book starts with a letter. That's why it's called the ABCs, but it ends with with an exercise. So it takes whatever the theme was for that chapter, and it helps you put it into practice so that by the end of the book, you've gained not only ideas, but tools that you can exercise on a daily basis to experience, you know, the power of self-actualization. That's amazing. So where can people buy the book? So I'm really happy. It's available on Amazon. Um, It's currently available in print and it's available around the world. So wherever you may be, as long as you have Amazon, it's going to be available to you. And it's also available on our website, fredandfar.com. Copies purchased through the website are signed. And I can also personally write a note for you, which is something I totally delight in doing. And yeah, you know, one thing that I've loved seeing, especially around Valentine's Day, is that women were gifting the book to their girlfriends as, you know, a celebration of love on a holiday that traditionally might be reserved for love for another person. And they were using it as a way to inspire self-love, which I thought was an incredible practice. Um, And I'm already seeing like people inquiring about Mother's Day. And it's just so powerful to see that the gift women want to give to each other right now is the gift of self-love. And I just truly believe like as a mother of daughters, especially that the greatest gift we can give to each other and to future generations 
is the notion that as women, we are whole, that as women, we are powerful, and that as women, when we stand together, anything is possible. And so it's really incredible for me to be witness to that every single day through our community. Well, you are at the forefront and a leader in this movement, which I think is just so awesome, all the things that you've done. Um, And we've talked about a lot of really good things and milestones and highlights, but I also want to talk about some of the harder lessons, um, both in self-love and in entrepreneurship. Maybe let's start with self-love and self-discovery. What have some of those hardest lessons been for you on this journey? I think for me, one thing is that self-love isn't just about finding your best parts and embracing them. It's also about witnessing maybe the darkness that's in each person and learning to love that as well. Um, I think growing up, a lot of what I felt was guilt or shame about parts of myself that I didn't quite understand or that weren't as easy to kind of share with the world. And so part of my self-love experience has been, you know, seeing all parts of myself and being comfortable with them. And that takes a lot of work. Um, And, you know, being in a relationship, that also comes to a head. And I think until you truly love yourself, when somebody triggers you, your reaction is going to be to be really self-defensive or to shut down. And, you know, for me, like I can be super numb if I need to be just to get through. Mm -hmm. And so learning instead, like when someone triggers me to like sit with that feeling and actually feel it. And then have an adult conversation about what's going on instead of hiding from myself and another person has been really challenging sometimes, but I'm doing it. And I think with regard to self-discovery, I'm learning that as much as I may want to connect with the melody that existed at 7 or 10 or 20, there are parts of me that still exist and there are other parts of me that have evolved. So having this fluid relationship with myself and who I am and embracing myself in all moments and being okay, even if I don't meet my own extremely high standards. Um, You know, just this past week, something happened where someone had sent me a check in the mail and I'm really bad at opening my mail on time, like very, very bad at it. It's to, to an alarming degree. And I didn't open that piece of mail and somehow it either got filed away or it got thrown in the trash. And I had to call the person and say, I'm, I'm really sorry. I lost the check. Like, can you please put a stop payment on it? And the amount of shame I felt because I had made a mistake and I wasn't responsible and I had done something wrong. Um, it was a lot. Like even just telling you about it now, I'm like a little emotional over something that's so small and unimportant. It was so easy for them to reissue that check, but I felt ashamed because I wasn't perfect. I carry that energy around all day long. And then I have to learn to be okay with it. Like we all make mistakes. And last week I kind of thought about this for myself and I'll share it with you. It's that we all crave perfection Maybe because it's easier, because it's easy to crave something that is other or outside of us. But what we really should crave is authenticity, which is ourselves. And I should be okay with the fact that I don't open my mail. It's not, you know, a defining characteristic. And maybe I'll establish some habits to overcome that. And maybe I won't. And either way, I'm still whole. I'm still worthy. And I'm still okay. 
Mm-hmm. And so just kind of going through life with through a lens of self-compassion and self-awareness has been really transformative for me. Mm-hmm. Yes, as you were saying that and describing how something so small can still make you feel so much shame and guilt, um, even when you know logically maybe it's not that big of a deal, but in the moment it's just like, oh, this big weight on you. I totally get that. I'm really curious about your relationship with your daughters. You said you have twins. I do. I have twin girls and I they're six and a half. And I also recently had a son who is almost a year old. Wow. So as you are learning so much in this self-love world and have come to terms with authenticity within yourself, I'm wondering how you are trying to pass those same messages on to your daughters and to your son, I guess, eventually. Well, I think one thing that's really interesting is how much they absorb without me even trying. They know that mommy started a company called Fred and Far that's all about self-love. And so the other day I caught my daughter, Stella, who is an artist drawing. And I'm like, what are you drawing? And she goes, oh, I'm drawing more self-love products. This is a perfume bottle that says you do you. Oh my gosh. And she's six. Right? She's six. I was, I was blown away. That's amazing. But so some of it is just absorbing and it's really the example we set where we're not even trying to teach our children something, but we're just existing in a space and they learn to embody that space as well. Um, A lot of it is direct though. So we talk about things like, what do you love about yourself? When they make a list of who they love, they include themselves. So I'll say like, okay, who do you love? And they'll say, I love my mom and my dad and my grandma and my sister. And then they'll say, I love myself. And that's, you know, something that is embedded within them. Um, And it's also about when things happen, how do I respond? So my daughter was having a tantrum. And you know what? Melody from, you know, maybe 10 or 20 years ago before I learned about self-love and self-expression might have said something like, oh, you're okay. Like, it's okay. Don't worry. Like, you're fine. And instead I said, I see you're feeling something. Like, it's okay to cry go ahead, feel whatever you're feeling. And whenever you're ready to talk about it, I'll be here for you. And she went in her room and she raged for about 15 minutes. And when she felt better, she came out and we talked about it. Um, And so I think it's as much about telling them like you should love yourself and giving them the language to express that. But it's also about giving them the practice of what self-love looks like, which sometimes means throwing a tantrum and being comfortable with exploring those more complicated emotions. So I'm really excited to see as they go into their teenage years, what's going to happen then, because I think that's when we're challenged the most um, in terms of our self-worth and just how we flow within the world. Um, High school was rough. (laughs) So I'm hoping that, you know, the self-love will inoculate them against some of the more challenging pieces of that experience. Yeah. And something that has kind of come up to me recently as well is, um, I guess, a contradiction between optimism for the future and feeling very pessimistic. And I think the optimism comes from seeing how openly we talk about mental health now and how the stigma is really starting to fade away compared to even just a few years ago. Uh, There's so many amazing women doing really cool things in a public light. There's these self-love movements and so much talk of self-care. 
And then the pessimism kind of comes from increased social media, um, just everything going on with politics right now, (laughs) just kind of being in this world uh, at this point in time. And so I'm wondering if you are feeling more optimistic or pessimistic about the next few years. And I guess when you're looking at your daughters going into high school, like, are you fearful or hopeful? It's a really good question because I think I definitely struggle with a lot of what you just described. Um, I'm someone who operates from a place of like constantly needing to feel secure, which oftentimes led me to really worry about the future because there are so many red flags politically, environmentally, socially. I mean, there's a lot going on that can make someone not want to get out of, out from underneath the covers every morning. And what I've had to do in order to shift my experience in the world is to untether myself from a specific outcome and to actually ground myself in whatever experience I'm in. And so to be honest with you, I'm neither optimistic nor pessimistic. I am just here in the moment living whatever is in front of me. And that has been my kind of coping mechanism so that I don't kind of drown in despair over the things I worry about or get wrapped up in optimism that might eventually let me down because I've put together so many expectations for a future that is largely out of my hands. So my way to experience the world right now when there is so much uncertainty is to believe that there is a lot of opportunity And the best way I can create space for that is to just really make the most of every moment that I'm in. That's a really good answer. I have thought about that one quite a bit uh, because I needed it. That's like one of my self-care rituals is grounding myself in the present. So that has really played a transformative impact in my life because I used to be so worried all the time that I would become immobilized. It's hard to move forward in the world when you're worried. Hmm. Yeah. And so I want to kind of branch off of that even and talk about those same kind of fears and doubts and worries as an entrepreneur, because something that I really pride myself for talking about on this podcast and asking other women entrepreneurs about is kind of the transparency behind the business and what some of those harder moments are. Because when we see For example, you, when we see the bio and the press highlights and celebrities are wearing your products, it's all so amazing. But we also know that there can be really hard moments in running a business and starting a business. So I'm curious what some of those harder lessons for you have been as an entrepreneur. Oh, there have been so many. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll tell you a couple really big ones. Um, The first big one, I think, is when my friend and I, who started this company together, decided to separate. That was in 2017. So it was really quick. It was like within a year of us really getting going. For personal reasons, she needed to stop working. And I immediately felt this sense of like shame, like, how am I going to explain this name? Like when the person that I started with isn't here anymore, How am I going to be able to do all the things that she was responsible for? You know, initially our our dynamic was that I was going to be the creative and the community builder and really the voice and the heart. And she was going to manage the operations because I had no experience running a product oriented business or I had no idea how to even handle simple things like shipping. That was all her. 
And so when she left, I needed to all of a sudden wear every hat in the company myself. And that was an extremely difficult thing because I truly didn't believe I had it in me. And here we are now, like two years later, and I not only did it, I really thrived in kind of taking on more and learning that as much as I think everyone else is better than me at doing everything, I'm actually pretty nifty when I put my mind to it and I'm resourceful and I'm able to figure things out. And so, you know, it's funny that it's a self-love movement and it took me having to break up with a partner to really learn that I can trust myself and love myself and be capable as an entrepreneur in ways that I hadn't stretched in the past. So that was, you know, a, a very difficult thing to transition. And then the other thing is, you know, I had my third child um, somewhat unexpectedly. And I think I underestimated how much my life would change when he was born. And I thought like, oh, no big deal. Like I can still run Fred and Far the same way I always ran it. I also have another business called Write and Color that I've been running for the past um, eight or so years. It's a resume writing and career building company. Um, and I have my daughters and I have my husband, I have my dog and my household and friends. <laughs> and I thought, no big deal. Like what's another baby? I can do it all. Almost forgetting that it was my journey after becoming a mother the first time that pushed me so far to the brink that I needed to start this self-love journey and got my self-love pinky ring and kind of took all these steps to reclaim myself. And so, you know, just last month, um, I just, I'm like stuttering because it's still hard for me to say, I decided to take a break from producing rings because it was just simply a little bit too much on my plate to handle as one person and recognizing my own boundary and recognizing my own limits and being able to communicate that to thousands of women that I know count on me was hard and it's still hard. You know, people ask me every day, they DM me or email me when are you going to produce rings again? When can I buy a ring? And, you know, the entrepreneur in me and the mission driven leader of a self-love movement in me, is like, okay, Melody, you should start again. But then there's this other part of me that's, that's like, no, you haven't healed yet. Like you had a C-section a year ago and you haven't worked out yet to like heal your body and get strong again. Like you need to take a minute and practice what you preach and put yourself first. And so that's what I'm doing right now. And, you know, I worked out yesterday for the first time, literally since getting pregnant and I felt really good. And that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't set this boundary as an entrepreneur and taken, you know, a little break so that I can really truly be whole the way that I ask other women to be. Mm, I love that. And I think it reminds me a little bit about what you said uh, in relation to teaching your daughters self-love. It's kind of like emulating that as an entrepreneur when that is your business mission almost um, for you to take time off and to focus on yourself, I think shows more than if you were to try and keep pushing through. And I definitely relate to that because I think, well, I think a lot of people in this space online, um, mental health advocates, writers, people that are creating content around self-care and mental health 
often feel like they need to put on a face and be there to support the other people that have joined in on their journey when sometimes you really need to take a step back and focus on healing yourself so that you can show up for those other people. That's absolutely true. And, you know, to the credit of our community and the people around the world who really want to be part of this movement, I have found that the more real I am in the content that I share, the more honest I am in the sentiments, the more raw, the more I'm willing to really go there and talk about the parts of myself and my experience that are a little bit scary for me, the more engaged people are, the more people share, the more people really connect with what I'm putting out into the world. And you know, to answer your earlier point about whether I'm hopeful or pessimistic about the future, that makes me hopeful. Mm. The fact that authenticity resonates does make me believe that we are absolutely heading in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that too. And so to wrap up, I would just love to ask you if you have any advice to women that might feel stuck or lost or disconnected with themselves uh, in where they're currently at in their life. If you were to kind of look back at yourself prior to Fred and Far, or even maybe over the past few months, as you alluded to, um, what would you tell those women? Um, So much. I think one is that until you create space, um, nothing is going to change. So if you see that you're just kind of going through the motions and you're not creating space to connect with your mind or your body or to experience self-reflection or meditation or just kind of anything, any pathway that you can achieve towards your inner world, if you don't create that space, it's not going to create itself for you. And that's something I'm really experiencing right now in such a powerful way. My intuition has never been stronger. I keep having these magical experiences of, you know, human connection and just things working out. And I think it's because I don't have 6,000 emails in my inbox at any given moment that I think I need to respond to within 20 minutes. Um, And so me creating the space, a lot of people ask me, okay, so when are you going to start again? What are you going to do next? What's your plan? And being able to say, actually, I don't know. I'm just creating space and we will see what happens. And a lot has been happening. So I think the first thing I would tell women is carve out a little time, time that you're not filling with distractions by reading news articles or scrolling on Instagram or watching Netflix, just time, like put on some music, go for a walk, let your mind wander, do some gardening, get your hand in the dirt, feel the earth, do something that takes you out of your digital experience of the world and gets you into the real world. I think you will find yourself there. And I think you never left and you've always been there waiting for yourself. You just forgot. And so I think one is to create space. Another thing I would say is that little changes lead to big ones. So if you're feeling stuck or lost, don't fret because all you have to do is take a little step and it will snowball and you will get exactly where you need to go. I think sometimes we get intimidated because we think we need something huge to happen in order to feel different. And for me, all it took was putting a ring on my finger with intention and everything changed. My entire life, my work, my family life, my marriage, my relationships with my friends, everything about my world changed from that first moment because it signaled a shift that snowballed into 
a lot of different changes, but it started with just the slightest of shifts. And I think that's something that everyone can create for themselves. Um, And like I said, it can be as simple as taking a walk. And so that would be my advice is today, if you're feeling stuck, go take a walk and let that be the first step you take towards discovering yourself. You just heard from Melody Godfred, who is the founder of Fred and Far. Her new book, The ABCs of Self-Love, is now available on Amazon, or you can win it in a giveaway on our account at Self-Care Sunday on Instagram. So go follow, enter. We'll be running it from today until March 24th. Good luck and happy Self-Care Sunday, everyone. 